I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. One quick message before I start the show. You can find all the links and resources for this episode by visiting the show notes on rickyrichards.com. If you enjoy this episode, do consider subscribing on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you're feeling particularly generous, you can help me to grow the show by leaving a review on iTunes. For anyone who does subscribe, review or share, thank you. I appreciate it. Now let's get into the show. Welcome to Ricky Richards Represents, the show where I talk tips for success with leading figures of creativity and innovation. Hello everyone and welcome to the show. Thank you for tuning in again. My guest today is Andrew Diprose. Andrew is the creative director of Wired Magazine, a globally distributed magazine that has a distribution of roughly 50,000 issues and a readership of over a quarter of a million people worldwide. Andrew has just won the Designer of the Year Award at the Professional Publishers Association, or PPA for short. I wanted to talk to Andrew about his journey into the industry as well as his instrumental role in the shaping of Wired. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. Uh, I should start by saying uh, welcome to my guest today, Andrew. Hello, thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me here. Uh, the first thing I should probably point out is uh, you've just won an award, so congratulations. Uh, could you explain what that was? Yeah, I am I am PPA uh, Designer of the Year for 2017, which I'm super pleased about, you know, Press, Press and Publishing Association, and it's a, a proper accolade, and there was a really good you know, good field, good entries this year, good competition. And, you know, I made up, you know, I won the award, I don't know, about six years ago. And to, you know, to come back and win again, um, yeah, I'm delighted. And so what did you do to celebrate? Weirdly enough, I was ill. And um, and so, you know, I, I phoned up my wife afterwards and I was like, yeah. And she's like, oh, you're going to get a Negroni in. And, you know, and I was like, honestly, I feel terrible. I'm just <laughs> hanging on through the night. Cow and, uh, yeah, exactly. It was like that. A bit of cowpaw, bit of night nurse and, um, yeah, early to bed. So you've worked for like a number of brands, ID Magazine, or I say brands for magazines, ID Magazine, GQ, Esquire, and now Wired. Um, that's quite a heavy editorial mix. And I just thought... Could you maybe explain what attracted you to the industry and your journey to Wired? I guess. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a long and slightly meandering journey. Um, I I studied graphic design in Southampton. I did a degree in graphic design, and um, the last year of the course, I everything I made had a magazine format, a book format, a published format. You know, I was doing screen printing and photography. 
and and everything I did was putting together these little stories and these collections of graphic design and illustration or, or graphic design and, and photography and um, towards the end of the course this art director called Scott King from ID magazine came in and um, Scott is now a you know a bona fide artist um, but at that time he I know it's funny for me to say that um, but at that time he he was art director of ID magazine and it was you know ID was really in its heyday ID's fantastic now but it really still had the end of that almost that kind of cut and paste it was you know they had I think they had while I was in there interning they had one Apple Mac you know it was cut and paste enlarging on a PMT machine type was properly set you know real old school cut and paste stuff now and um he came in to talk at my college and the, he was just fantastic he's got a fantastic sense of humor really irreverent everything he does is like a mix of kind of graphic design and art you know he'd done these peculiar kind of situationist sort of work when he was at college and um i thought this guy's fantastic and he does magazines and i love magazines and i love id magazine can i come and do some work up in london and um and yeah, I saw him, you know, a good few years later and I was like, I've got you to thank stroke blame for all of my time, my <laughs> entire career in the magazine industry. But um, yeah, I went from, you know, spending some time at ID magazine and then my first job was at Smash Hits magazine doing pop music. Um, and then I went on to Sky magazine then, which which uh, which was super fun and getting a little bit more fashiony. And from there, I spent my time all over the place, like you say, like, you know, some time with Esquire Arena magazine. I did FHM Collections, the fashion spin-off for a few years. Um, I freelanced for a long time at L magazine. I ended up at Tatler magazine, and then from Tatler <laughs> I went to GQ, GQ to the launch of Wired. So why all the jumping about? I guess um, this was over a good amount of time. Right. You know, th- this year I I haven't thought on this hard, but it's probably you know I've probably been a magazine designer for twenty two years. So. You know, for some time I'd I'd gone full time, and some time I'd gone like freelance, and I'd work on special projects like the FHM collections thing. And I was also sort of hungry for change. You know, I was I I moved up through the ranks pretty young. I was art director at Sky Magazine when I was twenty seven, I think, maybe twenty eight, and that's super young. You know, looking back now, I don't know, I don't know whether I really knew what I was doing, (laughs) (laughs) but it was a lot of fun at the time. And um, and uh, I guess you know I started wanting to learn and, and work with good people and with good good brands. You know, I was super... I loved Arena magazine as a reader. I loved Esquire magazine as a reader. And to go in, be a magazine lover, and to go into these places and work is, you know, it's, it's a joy. So talking about the things you've learned along the way and everything, I, I know that you... or I believe I know that you were there for the manifestation of Wired UK. Or... Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was a, a really big fan of, of Wired in the US... Uh, especially the art team there that was just fantastic Scott Dadich who's went on to be editor-in-chief um, and has recently left he was art director at the time there um, people like Carl de Torres brilliant designers there brilliant editorial designers and, and the team was just like it was like I don't know I don't really follow football but I'm just thinking of like you know the example of like an, just a world class team everything that they were doing you know the, the 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 magazine was landing on my desk at GQ and I was dying inside every month seeing what they were doing it was amazing the production values you know the resources they had so um I was already a fan of Wired and when when the general manager said that they were going to launch one in the UK 
um, I leapt at the chance, you know, I straight away sent an email going, you know, this is my job. And luckily it was. So what was uh, the idea in the early days and how, I guess, has that morphed over time? Well, the early days was that we would, you know, bear in mind that this was, you know, the launch was in, you know, the launch was in 2008 and, you know, the recession was already kicking in. It was a bold move, you know, magazines were just, you know, falling. Um, But the idea was that, you know, there were fantastic stories, you know, ideas and technology stories that were happening in Europe and the rest of the world that maybe weren't covered or weren't covered in as much depth by the US edition and that, you know, the UK and Europe could really have a voice and, and sustain wide magazine, you know, on its own. And we were there to tell those stories. So were you, um, like, influential in basically asking them to launch a UK edition and why was your name put forward? Um, the The... The decision had already been made before I got there. I heard that there was rumour, though, thinking about it. But, you know, at that time, probably a lot more than there is now, there was a hunger still for launching magazines and for special projects. And I'd spent quite a lot of time um, at Condé Nast working on special projects behind the scenes while I was at GQ. You know, magazines launched that didn't happen or turned into other magazines. And um, I really enjoyed doing that, you know, working on special projects. And so my name, I think, was already passed around as somebody who could, you know, who could do that, turn the hand to that sort of thing. I'm curious to know, for people that aren't so familiar with the magazine process, myself included in that, how you actually go about sourcing stories. And is it something where you work multiple copies in advance or...? Yeah, we're probably working... We're probably working with six or seven issues you know, on the go. Um, you know, there may be, you know, a, a, a feature story idea that's, you know, will be pegged now for a March edition or or um or a February edition. Um and then obviously as you're getting closer and closer to date, things are a little bit more time sensitive. Um, you know, start filling up the gaps, you know, the front sections, you know, the regulars, uh, but the big in depth stories where there's a lot of um investigative time and 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 photo shoots you know around the world have got to be hooked up obviously they need to be done in months in advance so for someone you just said mentioned about having the hunger to start magazines say there's people out there now who really want to create one and if you had to condense say three things and if that's all you were able to tell them uh to give them some, some advice for launching their own what would those three things be um well, it's interesting you should ask that question because I did, you know, the Ride Journal as well as I did, as I do Wired magazine. Um, the Ride Journal's on hold at issue 10 now, but that was the magazine that I did with my brother, a proper independent magazine. So, I've got, you know, I come from a real full newsstand, big publisher angle and an independent magazine angle. Um, probably for the, ind- if, if it's an individual thinking that themselves, I would say with, with, with the benefit of my Ride Journal, hat on i would say don't think how long it's it's going to take you to do it because it's going to take five times as long and if you're already counting how long a magazine might take you know or i can give it a couple of you know hours tonight or i might give it a saturday every couple of things it's not it's if you're going to do a good job of it it's going to be every day you're going to be emailing every day you're going to be thinking about it at the weekends it's going to eat your weekends you know it's going to be you know eat your week week weekdays you know you're going to come home turn your computer back on after doing what you've been doing in the day and then you're going to be back into this thing but if you love it you love it so you don't mind doing it so don't count the time um find somebody who 
is equally as invested in it as you are. So, you know, I think if you are an art director, find a brilliant editor or a brilliant writer. Um, If you're a brilliant writer, find somebody who's an amazing designer who's committed to it. Because, you know, if you're working with three or four different people, five people, two or three of them will fall by the wayside. All the sane ones will want to leave. (laughs) and then so that's two what's the, what's the last one I think put your heart into it you know it sounds if you're going to go out of your way to put all this time into it and your energy this is your mouthpiece you know you may not love what you do 9 to 5 or 9 to 6 or 8 to 6 you know you might not love that but if, you, if you're using this as an opportunity to get your work out there to show people what you can do and, 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 and as, a, as a place for creative expression oh my goodness go for it or don't bother doing it I think that's amazing advice and i could see how passionate you are even to this day about what you do so is this something that in your afternoons you still go home and produce your your indie mag yeah i'm working on various things and i'm working on a book project with thames and hudson at the moment and um you know i enjoy doing some books you know we up until recently i was doing the ride journal so i always had that in the back of the mind i kind of want to do things about i i want to do some early 90s rave kind of fanzine at the moment i've been thinking a bit about i have these things turning over in my mind and whenever (laughs) a project finishes you know i know this this book project is going to come to a finish soon and when that finishes i'm already just starting to itch around thinking should i just play with something maybe i could do something with newspaper i have these things in the back of my mind that um you know they're kind of an itch to scratch when i'm when i'm not doing wired magazine i have these other little graphic styles or these ideas that i like to try out talking about ideas I, I believe i read in one of your interviews that one of the things that really you find appealing about the editorial industry is the fact that it's on a quick turnaround basis and so you you have the license to come up with ideas um what are some of the more prominent ideas that you feel you've had over the over the years oh goodness um well, you're completely right. You know, that, 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 that is a fanta- fantastic thing about magazines. Um, you know, you get to succeed and fail every issue, you know. And so, you know, I get an issue come out and I'm like, that was an utter disaster. But do you know what? Next month I'm going to smash it. You know, and some months I have some, you know, something that goes particularly well. and I'd like to revisit it, but then it's gone and I've got another tough story to, you know, to contend with. It's, it's, it's a fascinating place and the turnaround is, is exhilarating. Um, I've had some. I've done some fun. I did a fun thing recently. We did. We did a really big package that was about um, Russian hacking and Putin, and you know, um, um, uh, elections being influenced um, by state-controlled hackers. And I wanted to put together these essays in a way that was uh, that was a bit special. There was a lot of words. It was pretty heavy going. And, you know, part of my remit is to make this, you know, this stuff that's hard to visualise and this dense information palatable for people. So I, I, I started researching this, this, um, this, this kind of post-constructivist magazine called USSR and Construction. It was amazing. They had brilliant photographers and, and, and graphic designers at the time working for it. It was, in, it was 30s Russia. So I went and researched all of these these um collage illustrations and the way they did photo collages with these very 
flat colours, you know, they were obviously, they couldn't do four colour printing at the time, so you'd have one or two colours. So I really got into the idea of doing something like that and reproduced it with our four colour presses by clearing out the units, all of the ink units, so there was no CMYK in there, which nobody does. <laughs> um, maybe because it's quite expensive, but um, nobody does it anyway. We cleared the CMYK out and we filled it with four different Pantone inks. You know, we had a, we had a, we had a, a fluoro, we had a metallic, we had two peculiar Pantone colours, stuff that we could never do with CMYK. And so, you know, the richness of the printing and this, and this, you know, this hark back to this old uh, magazine style, that was super fun. And that was only a couple of months ago. <laughs> <laughs> so plenty of them over the years. Yeah, 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 good stuff. There was one cover which uh, I saw you talk about in the past, which was a, a failure edition with, uh, who was on the cover of that? It was... Um, Alan Sugar. Alan Sugar, there you go. And there was one thing that caught my eye, and it was that obviously on a traditional magazine, you have you typically have the title at the top of the magazine so that it, it appears when it's in newsstands. And the idea was obviously that you'd offset the print and made it look like it was a fail a failed run. But then you uh, you kind of had to put wired at the top of the magazine again. And so I wondered if at the time when you were coming up with that idea, did it feel like? Uh, you'd had to give up on a bit of the idea because you still had to put the wide at the top. Um, well, that's a very astute observation, actually. Yeah, that's, that cover, I did. I ran two logos, which obviously pleads the management because, you know, we have to bear that kind of thing in mind. And it's a perfect illustration of how magazines work. You know, we we can tell these fun stories, we can be creative, we can energise the reader, we can, you know, confront the reader with, you know, something sort of shocking or alarming... But within the constraints of selling the magazine and telling the story, you know, and, and, and part of what I do is pulling back these ideas so that they are not disrespectful to the people we're working with. They sell the magazine and they tell the story. So with that one, of course, yeah, I dropped the logo down and I had fake, you know, colour bars and registration marks. But in, yeah, we had like a ghosted white logo up there too. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a disaster, yeah, if that hadn't sold. That's funny. Um, you recently went through a big redesign. And I know you work with collaborators, people like Sawdust, and I'm sure there's others. I just wondered if, firstly, you could talk about why it's essential to redesign the magazine and also maybe talk about a few of the people that you work with on a consistent basis. And Yeah. Um, well, I probably... We, 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 uh, yeah, I call it a redesign or a refresh. We, we probably did that for a couple of reasons. Um, one, that the content of the magazine had changed... We had a new editor on board and he wanted to shift around the sections. He wanted to shift around how long the sections were. Um, so the actual, you know, the actual geography of the magazine changed and and the way it was designed beforehand. Yeah, we could have kind of stretched it around and made it work, but we had new sections. Um, so we thought, you know, there's only for, so far we can push it where it's a little bit of a compromise. Um, also, you know, the way that we think about designing the magazine or, or and, and how we keep the reader engaged, that changes over time as well. You know, how many words we're running in a story. You know, we, we there are things under the hood that we want to fix as well. You know, peculiar paragraph settings where you have, you know, where, where you might have a, a, a narrow column where words are breaking too easily. You know, body copy that's a little bit harder to read than it should be things to do with oh my goodness this is magazine geekery but you know <laughs> the positions of 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 you know folios the page numbers and the slugs what we do with that how people navigate through the magazine there are a million different tiny little touches and we thought it was a good opportunity to do all of those in one go with a new editor 
and it, and it also gave us an opportunity to kind of just sort of refresh the aesthetic, you know, which is great for the designers as well as for the readers, you know. Of course. In the second segment of the interview, I wanted to ask Andrew about the business of content and editorial. In recent years, a number of publications have reduced their circulation due to an increase in pressure from online media. Wired is one of the few magazines that has diversified and built a strong digital offering. I wanted to find out about the business side and what he's seen change during the rise of the internet and digital media. Uh, as someone who's been in editorial for quite a while, I'm sure you will have seen the, the transition through... Uh, the rise of the internet and how that's kind of changed the landscape. I know magazines have have struggled somewhat at, at times, but through that, Wired has managed to remain fairly prevalent. Um, what, like you know, do you have any observations of what's occurred over those years? Yes, it's been a massive, 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 massive shift. Um, you know. It's been fun time, but it doesn't stay still for three months. You know, something changes when we set up Wired. You know, there was going to be, you know, the website, but it wasn't really a priority. There was no digital magazines. There's no, you know, people weren't really reading content on it. Yeah, okay, you know, the iPhone was out. What are we looking at? It's 10-year anniversary, so it's been out for a couple of years. But people really weren't, you know, engaging with content on it in that way. Nobody was thinking about, you know, an iPad magazine. Nobody was really thinking about commissioning video for websites, which is a really big thing for us now. Um, things have changed radically. You know, the, the Wired's, Wired's business now, a lot of our business is in events and consulting. So, you know, we we're thinking of, we think of Wired as a brand. And, you know, I'm yes, I'm really, really enthusiastic about print, but I'm enthusiastic about how we tell stories, you know, on the web. I'm enthusiastic about how we look with our events you know we are telling our stories that so you might pick up our story you know in a print magazine or online but you may come and see it face to face with that person you know the the subject of the story live you know at, at one of our events you know wide health or our main event wide security or you know we can share our knowledge and our and our um our contacts you know we can share those stories with companies you know one-on-one and tailor events for them so it really is you know from those early days when i say i was in with you know id magazine you know cutting and pasting it's a seismic shift but you know in the core of all of that is telling stories photography illustration dealing with amazing writers great subject matter and that thing is is universal like you know it's kind of if you're thinking about wired as a, a like like a globe that's like the core of the hot core of the earth <laughs> the, the, <laughs> that's a great metaphor yeah the kind of weird bubbly scary bit there. yeah so do you think that uh, looking at wired as a, as a brand is the magazine still the the prevalent like you say is that is that still the core and is it still the core of their revenue model as well? That's a great question. No, we won't be getting rich on the print magazine. Everybody knows that now. But the print magazine is is very important for us because it is the way that a lot of our audience, you know, encounters encounters the brand first off, you know, that they are news they are subscribers or they buy it on the newsstand. They're familiar with it. They're familiar with our design values on our and and you know all of our all of their quality sort of you know kind of emanates from that sort of bubble but they'll get that online too you know we just we're we're in an age where we're thinking what is print doing for us you know it is a time when we are celebrating it for being like a luxury item now 
you know when somebody can flick up you know and read brilliant wired stories on their phone you know hanging on a rail in the underground or on the train or whatever on their way in we're hopefully making print a place like a destination for seeing amazing photography with great production values long reads in a comfortable easy to read environment where you can settle in and something that's that's um tactile you know you're going to want to feel it you're going to want to feel the grit cover in your hands and the weight of the paper things that we've you know we we are really passionate about maintaining the quality of this product and you're going to have it on your side at home and over time i think the 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 magazines that are probably going to be most successful on the newsstand are the ones that people are going to want to hold in their hands and they're going to want to value as an object because that's what it is at the end of the day so just to be completely transparent if you don't mind uh, when with regards to the magazine, so that'll be a touch point for people. They'll feel the quality, they'll experience the brand, they'll experience the stories. They may go online, and then does Wired have like a an online subscription model as well? And is it the events that come off the back of it, where there's and consultancy and all that kind of thing? Yeah. So I think, you know, we we, you know, I'm a little, like I'm a bit of a hippie about all of this thing, and I think this is a brilliant thing about magazines in an, in, in an age where people are talking about content this and content that and we're filling up pages with content and, you know, oh, yeah, we're, you know, we're, we're mentioning this brand, but, you know, we, we, it's not really like that because we're giving people added value. Like, magazines, when they're at their best, are absolutely, it's, it's entertainment and information, proper, credible research, great writing. You know, I'm really passionate about yeah, it. See. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's it's... You know, yes, I'm a real big magazine fan, but I really hope that people are, you know, value when you get a great magazine. Sure, there are a ton of magazines where it falls down, where they're not credible, where, you you know. But I, but I hope that the, the, the core of brilliant magazines is, you know, is appreciated by people. Now, print magazine advertising is on the decline. People want to spend the money online, but we're there, you know, to take that money when it's online and and. You know, the conference, you know, having having conferences are really important to us. And as a business model, it's really important for the survival of Wired, things like that. Not everybody's doing it, but it works really well for our audience. Um, but but no, I hope I hope I hope that, you know, a great magazine is valued for, how, you know, how and over time, I hope that, you know, uh, as as you know more and more stuff is thrown up online that great journalism wherever it is 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 you know is valued out of interest with regards to the the journalism and the stories how um how much of it is kind of within your remit are you able to shape what goes into the magazine or does it fall <laughs> well, is this on the between editor? us or is it between this and me and the editors yeah uh, that's it i wonder um <clears throat> i hope that you know de- decent art directors do a lot more than put down type on page or commission a great photography that I hope that I can be a sounding board to my editor for what is, um, you know, what is commercial, what is good storytelling, what's inciting, what's important, what part of the story needs pulling out, the shape and tone of the magazine over time. You know, I, I'm, you know, just as passionate about that kind of thing, steering a brand. Um I'm not, you know, I I can turn my hand to writing a few words here and there, but I'm not, you know, 
like I said earlier, that you know the brilliant thing about great magazines is that I'm sitting there with experts. You have so many different people in one place, which I think is quite unique. Sure, you know you could be working in an in, in an agency and have writers and designers together and stuff, but you have you know I could sit with a with a science editor who has an entirely different brain than I do, you know, and I'm bringing my visual eye to something, and I'm working with people who are amazing at production, people who are great writers, you know. Um, it's just a great melting pot of people, you know. But um, yeah, this is probably an answer, a rambling answer to your question. But I, I think I have a, I think I have quite a good run, and I hope I add value. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure you do. I mean, I enjoyed the mag. Um, talking about a melting pot. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Condé Nast is obviously a massive umbrella for what is a bunch of different publications. Is that something that uh, is there ever any cross pollination between the companies, and is there uh, a competitive nature in the Condé Nast ecosystem, or you know, are people trying to see who sells the most magazines that month? Is it, or, yeah. or are you very siloed? I think I think no, we're all together, and I'm and I'm really proud. I I, I go to talk to you know our production department is in Vogue House, which is across the the um, Hanover Square from our building, and I'm really proud to walk in there and see all the magazines GQ and Vogue, and 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 you know it's 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 a great company where. You know, I think quality is valued and that brings people together. The magazines are very, very different. You know, Vogue, think about Vogue. <laughs> think about Wired. Think about GQ, World of Interiors, House and Garden. They're such different beasts that I don't think, you know, I don't think 
that you can compare like for like on a lot of them you know it's it is you know i feel like wide is the run to the litter when i walk in there but in a very good way you know we feel like the ungainly child you know but that's kind of cool too and you know when i walk in there and see all the covers together you know it's it's very different what we do but i think everybody you know attacks what they do with with passion and you know quality and and um that probably brings us together but i don't think i don't think i don't think jamie on vogue or paul on gq or whatever i don't think you know i'm sure i hope they you know think that, yeah, that ended up being a good wide cover or you know wide looks tight inside or whatever but it's very different at the end of the day what we're doing you know what they're doing and what we're doing um I don't know. I say I say very different. You know, a good magazine hopefully will be engaging and be easy to navigate and and um, have great photography in it and stuff. But I think you know, if you talk about kind of stylistics or whatever, I think we, we yeah, I don't think I can be competing competing with Vogue. <laughs> you briefly touched on there on covers, and I think it would be a shame of me not to talk about covers and their importance. Um, one of my heroes growing up was George Lois, and his conceptual mind was obviously. Uh, hugely influential for Esquire, uh, which ended up in the Museum of Modern Art, I think, in in uh, New York. Um, typically, Wired, I mean, they have graphical covers with typography, they have object base, they also use portraiture. Is there something that works particularly well and what kind of trends within covers have resulted in big good sales for the magazine? Cover covers is 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 like a joy in a minefield. Like you say, like a wide cover could have a picture of a person on there, um, or be purely graphic or or an object. And we have worked, we have, I've spoken on this before actually, but we have worked ourselves into a lather with expensive shoots, shooting people, retouching conceptual ideas, crazy stuff, to have an okay sale, and then to have the next month put down a very simple word on a fluoro background that everybody engages with and boo there's a massive sale like there you know and and we've surprised you know we've had some covers like we did a cover on raspberry pi you know the miniature uk miniature computer um and it was a picture of a raspberry pi shot very nicely by wilson hennessy looked great i fiddled around i was playing around with having a fantastic typographer did a headline for me and then i ditched it because i thought i could make something uh, more easily readable at the last minute and I just thought right let's just make this commercial it was bright red which does really well for us on newsstand massive sales it was a miniature computer um, no eye contact you know no no prop of being a famous person or a model you know they weren't attractive they weren't any particular colour it was a weird Ooh. computer but it sold really well because everybody everybody it had a lot of fans, you know, people love Raspberry Pi. It was a great UK success story and it had a great cover line. And I think, you know, a lot of there's so many factors for covers, um, you know, the cover line, the colour, the time of year, whether people are travelling, whether people, feel, you know, whether there's snow on the ground. There are so many factors. Every month is a surprise. Wow. So do you take into consideration those factors every month or...? Occasionally, we try, you know, we try to keep, you know, we have in the editor's office, we have the last, you know, few years up on the wall. And we look through, you know, to see styles of photography, styles of photography that have been popular, ways of writing cover lines that have been popular, colours, the variety of colours. You know, obviously, I don't want every issue to come out looking the same with the same sort of, you know, treatment. I think as a reader, you know, you need that, you know, you know, you need that variety. Um, 
But um, yeah, there are a ton of factors, and we we I've got a ton of factors. You know, I also have in my mind, you know, you know what's wide style. You know, what are wide US doing at the moment? What you know, wide Italy doing at the moment? Where are we in the wide brand? What's our you know what is what is you know particular to us? Um, you know what is going to pass with the management when I go for a, for a you know a cover meeting at the end of the month what are people buying what do our readers expect what do the readers want and what do they expect and you know all of these things I have a million different heads <laughs> on when I'm when I'm working on a cover hopefully I get it I get it right sometimes in the final question segment of the interview I wanted to ask Andrew about how his life at the helm of a globally recognized brand affects him day to day I wanted to know how much input he has in choosing the content of the magazine and what experiences he's had as a result. When people want to approach the magazine in order to, to maybe get featured, typically it's known as, a, I believe, it's known as a press press release or a press story. Uh, posing a hypothetical, imagine that you're somebody that wants to get their work into Wired or, or to maybe not Wired, any, any magazine. What are some of the tips for people that, uh, you know, aren't well connected and and would like to get their story out there, but want to do it in a in in the appropriate manner. How, how should magazines be approached? Um, are you talking for like photography and illustration or a story idea? Uh, all imagine, or let's use me for example. Yeah. So I'm a struggling podcaster who's yeah. trying to uh, find any opportunity to reach an audience. Yeah. Someone like Wired or any magazine would be uh, amazing, obviously, because uh, if if it aligned with with my listenership, um, I have zero idea how I would go about uh, approaching uh, any publication, and I'm sure lots of listeners are in the same same yeah, position. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. curious to know how it goes about. It it is tough, you know. I would I would think you know that I would I would I would look and see the person who's most relevant on the masthead to you. You know, if you're pitching a science story, if you can find a science editor, if you're look, you know, somebody who's a, a front section editor or a web editor, if that's the kind of person you're after, an art director or a senior designer or a designer, maybe that you know, if you move slightly further down the masthead, you might have more, you know, chance yeah. and reply. Um, but I think if your if your email is is short and succinct and you've got something that's interesting and something of value and you can attach work in a way that's easy to look through you know i i get plenty of these every day and i hope that you know whereas i might not reply to everybody i will have a look at absolutely everything and if it's something that you know people who work on magazines are magpies you know they will be looking <laughs> and they'll be thinking how can you make me look good if you can you're in you know i i want to find that brilliant illustrator i haven't heard of i want to find that photographer or somebody who's doing some animation i'll need those people i want to hear about them but only if they're good that's fascinating so it comes through an email rather than uh, there's no like a press release isn't a formatted thing no i th- i think i think if you i think if you if people feel like it's formatted they're not going to think it's personal and they're going to think you're sending it to 100 people you might be sending it to 100 people but if somebody feels like you've bashed out a thing and something's been pre-written and it's just going to roll through they're going to think ah oh, they've sent it to 100 different people maybe they aren't quite so passionate about wide or they don't know me or they you know they might be using a kind of a scattergun effect and uh, that's not so appealing I'm talking about appeal. I imagine that one of the appealing things of Wired is that you get to meet, uh, you know, fairly influential people occasionally. And uh, I wondered if you could maybe share a few people that you've met and who was particularly interesting. Um, yeah, some lovely people I've worked with, brilliant illustrators and photographers. 
we were shooting with Platon the other day. Like, you know, he's amazing. Like, it, it, when you're working with people who, you know, you look at their work and you're in awe of it, you know, people, people, people like that. You know, I, the brilliant thing about being an art director is I, I, somebody's asking me about it at the weekend and they were just saying, they didn't really understand. They were kind of like, so you don't, you don't draw any of the pictures and you, you don't take any of the photographs. And yet you're, you know, kind of in control of the visuals for this magazine. And, and you know, kind of like took me back a tiny amount. And I was thinking, I, I sort of said, that's the brilliant thing about it. I can work with the best photographer who's a hundred times better than I am, who, you know, can interpret my idea in, in an idea and, or take their idea and, and tell a story with it. Or I can work with the best photographer in the world. You know, somebody whose style I can never achieve, much as I'm an okay photographer and an okay illustrator, and put these people together. Oh, my goodness, the satisfaction. When you open a magazine or you, you, you scroll down a website and you see these photographs backlit and you're like, damn, look what they've done. You know what I mean? Like, I can't do that. But I brought this together. I connected those people. I connected those stories. Or, you know, I made them look good and they made me look good. Yeah, nice bit of curation and uh, the upside of it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the highlight and uh, the upside of what you do. I'm curious to know what the biggest fuck-up is uh, over the years. You know, what what's really gone down horribly or... I've had some I've had some stinkers like cover meetings where I have you know walked in with an idea that I just thought was fantastic that I've worked hard on maybe you know we worked we 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 did a cover a couple of years ago where I had a, a photographer shoot a model and then I had somebody 3D render a a kind of like a transparent body you know it's about health devices it was like a, a this woman's body and it was kind of you could see inside her for this kind of health tracking and and I put together this photograph and this amazing 3d render Brian Christie design in the states did this whole thing for me I put the whole thing together had a fl- integrated fluoro running through it. I turned up to the to the um the CEO's office with the editor and and everybody stood around and just looked at me and they were like what's this weird woman that looks like a zombie, like anorexic, <laughs> like peculiar, frightening, half person, half dead, you know. And I suddenly, I was like, but, but, but it's not really like that. It's very clever. And that that was a disaster. That whole thing just like shot apart. You know, that was, that was a particularly bad one. But I've had some covers go up there and just, you know, not work or not be received well, not be commercial and had to pull those back. You know, the, the way we work in, in the UK is pretty different than, a lot of magazines, especially in the States, where you have such a strong subscription model where, you know, the cover has to work is a little bit more commercial, often brighter. You know, the cover lines are a little bit more kind of European. We may have a couple more because we're not relying on subscribers quite so heavily. So, you know, things things can get, you know, I still get I, I, I'm coming up for my hundredth cover for Wired and I'm still pretty nervous when I go to the cover meetings. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Uh, so obviously with the content of the magazine you kind of get a little bit of a glimpse into the future and uh, i thought it'd be interesting to see what some of the things you're excited about that are emerging yeah well there's a lot to be excited about and nervous about that's a brilliant thing with wired you know i'm quite often you know i'm that guy i'm that guy who's who's you know still in the meetings going no way that's not happening come on you know 
Um, obviously, you know, artificial intelligence, you know, connected homes, wearables, all of that that's out there. But we've, you know, we've got some brilliant stories coming up, crime stories where people are using... I don't know where... I don't know whether I should talk about this, actually. Maybe I should hold that down. But, you know, that's one of the things that I'm I'm most in, enthusiastic about, where you see people apply artificial intelligence, you know, to solving crime. People apply um, virtual reality to mental health problems. People, you know, why it is at its best is like a magazine about hybrids, you know, music and artificial intelligence coming together, you know, prosthetics plus theatre you know all of these things are, are <laughs> hybrids and that's the thing that I'm excited about people using harnessing these new technologies and these new ideas to solve problems and you know uh, talking about ideas this is an idea which is not so new now but I'm sure you're familiar with it so Mr Kevin Kelly who's the I believe the the founder or, or is the American founder yeah American um, he has a philosophy which is uh, the a thousand true fans uh, and I wondered if you agreed with that as a philosophy, and also if you do, if you could maybe talk it up and explain what what that is. I I don't know. We often talk about this thing, like how you know how um, engaged your audience is, and if we can, you know, like if we can have that fan base who are who are out there selling the magazine to other people. You know, my biggest joy is when I bump into people. I had to pick somebody in for a meeting earlier and they were super cool and I was trying to give them a copy of the magazine. And they were like, I'm already a subscriber. I don't need to see it. Like, that's the biggest thing. You know, I want to, you know, great magazines keep their subscribers happy and they keep their subscribers engaged. Um, yeah, more of that. More of that. Uh, final question before I get into some quick fires. Um, you're a dad, <laughs> and you also are, you know, you're heading a, a, a company which is, uh, for a lot of people, it's highly respected. And I'm sure there's a lot of work goes into it. And I just wondered if you could maybe talk about, very briefly maybe, about, you know, what's it like to be a dad going through the process of, of having a career as well and also, you know, how you juggle those two things. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's this... There's this other part of my life which is completely different which is brilliant you know like i i i, I leave the work i've done on wide where i've completely had my head down and been absorbed by it you know and and, I, and i'm and i'm so fired up by it and then i come in through the front door and nobody cares and that's really fun as well you know my daughter doesn't say like oh dad did were you killing it with the photography today i heard you had that big shoe no they don't even care they'll come and like give you a hug and they'll mess around and my daughter will like play a violin and the other one will just jump on me or she says she doesn't want a hug or somebody will spill something on the floor they don't care and it's brilliant and it completely you know i ride my bike into work and back every day and um i have this little buffer you know however busy i've been and however switched on with work i've been i can have that buffer where i'm calming down on my way back home again it takes me 25 minutes half an hour go in see the kids and it's a priority for me every day like you know i want to run the art department and it's really important you know part of what i do is is you know, a big part of what I do is attracting brilliant people, brilliant designers to work with me, people on the photo desk, you know, people, you know, doing the digital edition. And I want to retain those people. I don't want those people working all of the hours. I want people to have a healthy work, you know, life balance, B 
be happy and I want the same for myself. I want to be able to leave the magazine. Those days when I was on Sky magazine and I was starting to design a feature at, you know, midnight or see proofs at seven o'clock in the morning, you know, I don't think that's sustainable, especially if you've got a family. So I want to, you know, I'm also conscious I want to make wired an environment like a like a a creative environment where that that feels like safe and where people are valued and people have a life outside wired as well like that's that's cool that's a great answer i wish all people had the same kind of philosophy um a few quick fire questions for you so i know you're very much into your cycling you have your own or you, is it still going your your own publication yeah it's on hold it depends whether you're talking to me i'll say yes it's still going and my brother who's the editor um you know we need to have a break like doing you know obviously doing a independent magazine is like a ton it's like a time suck, and what, like what's the saying. name of that it's called the, the ride journal and can people still subscribe people can you can't subscribe to it but but we've still got issue nine and a few issue ten but not many that are on the ride ridejournal.com site you can buy that with paypal um, but but yeah, it's on hold at issue ten for now. So I assume that you're fairly clued up about bikes, since as that's been a fairly <laughs> heavy topic for you. So if you were going to buy a road bike for less than a thousand pound, what what brand would you buy? What model maybe? I would either I would either go for something. This is a tough one because I have a few industry pals. Like Genesis make a brilliant bike. It depends what you bike what, what want the bike for. So you know we can disappear down a wormhole <laughs> of questions. If you, if you're looking for a like a recap, gut, gut instincts. Okay, gut instincts. I might turn up to Condor Cycles. They're good folks, and I'd probably buy it on the you know the bike to work scheme. Put a couple of extra quid in myself. Buy something with discs. Buy something you know medium lightweight. Buy something steel. Something that's going to last for years. Something comfortable. Very practical. <laughs> um, other than Wired, what other magazines or podcasts do you subscribe to? Um, I I have a subscription to New York Magazine, Outside Magazine. We have a ton of we have a ton of um, magazines in the office that come in, you know, regularly. Wired Italian is brilliant. Wired Wired US is brilliant. I'm a real fan of US magazines. Um, I I like the format. And and like I hinted at earlier, they have you know great resources, plentiful staff, and I think you know it's often reflected in the you know in the quality of the design. Um, yeah, occasionally I listen to a, occasionally I listen to a podcast, but it's only really when I'm travelling. Yeah, I did the serial thing and stuff like that. I like it, yeah. but I don't because because <laughs> I because my my time is purely listening to things is tight. I don't get like a ton of time like that because I'm riding on my bike and I don't condone the whole like headphone riding thing. I think it's too sketchy in London. Um, so yeah, it's mainly magazines at home. But I have a I have a pile I work my way through. Man, I could go on about that. I love Avant magazine. What have I got? I got the Cos magazine at the moment. If you, to, if you had to name one indie mag that people should go out and buy. Oh goodness, I really like Avant magazine. I'm a little bit worried it's going to shut. You know, Matt Willie is one of the guys, you know, he's he's genius art director who's at New York Times magazine. And, um, yeah, it's real nice. Please go out and subscribe. <laughs> don't, let, don't let it shut. Um, Favourite book or learning resource? Oh, goodness. I'm a, bit of, I'm a bit of a fan of, like, scrolling through TED. You know, so I'll go through, to, like, TED Talks and watch some of those. 
Um, I like things like, you know, like the Hyatt Jeans newsletter and things like that that go out. I'm they... not familiar, but okay. that sounds good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's super good. You know, people who do those mailers, we do a thing on a Friday called um, Wide Weekender, and it will have like a little, you know, be an email prompt for, you know, the 10 stories that are exciting us that week or something like that. I love that kind of thing, bite-sized nuggets. I love Instagram. Like, I love hate Instagram. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, that's probably that's probably all right. I love Flipboard. I love Apple News. You know, I'm on You love sp- everything. <laughs> <laughs> I love most things. Yeah. Favourite movie or documentary? Oh, that's tough. Do you know what I've loved? The Abstract series. You know, the, the Abstract do, Design yes, series great, great on, on Netflix? Yeah. I'm sure they've got to do a second season of that, right? It's, it's so good. Like like Scott, you know, who I was mentioning earlier, who's the old um, wide US art director and editor, he was like the executive producer on there. So it really was like a good wide club. You know, Platon was there. Who else was there? Bjark Ingalls, um, Isaac Crawford. Oh, God. I, I love that whole, you know, to have Netflix. You know, Netflix are just killing it at the moment. And to have them do an entire series you know like a season on design yeah that's good like more netflix (laughs) yeah more power to it It was wicked um so before i ask the final 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 question uh, where can people get hold of you if they want to get in touch um i've got a website it's my name andrewdipros.com um or yeah probably the easiest way is through that because i've got an email address on there or whatever or or i'm my name andrew dipros on on Instagram or whatever, people increasingly doing that. LinkedIn, the same old, same old. Do you have any ask for the audience? No, no. I'm just happy to be here chatting, oh, right, talking about <laughs> It's all good. And we briefly touched before the interview actually about if there was anything, any kind of giveaways or freebies we might be able to offer the audience. Um, have we got anything on the uh, the we, likelihood is we really have we do um yeah so so what i'll do is I, i'll either put together like six months of of wired for the future or whatever somebody i i i'm happy to mail those out drop them around somebody's house or whatever <laughs> um so yeah we'll get some copies of wired i've got a copy of the ride journal put by issue 10 um there's only like i was saying i think there's only like six left or whatever on the website so so we're really running out of those now so i've got one of those put by i've also got like a lovely through lovely thames and hudson i've got a copy of the mountains book i did with a brilliant photographer called michael bland um you should check out his work too he does amazing if you like you know environmental photography cycling um he he did this brilliant book and i i art directed it for him and um it's called mountains and um i've got a copy of that too so so, so yeah. loads of really good stuff yeah, yeah. so this is uh, actually very exciting so what what i encourage anyone who's listening to do well done for getting towards the end of the episode number one uh, if you head over to my website which is rickyrichards.com you can sign up to the newsletter there and in that once a month i send people out a message and you'll be able to find out how to get your hands on that there so uh final 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 question thank you so much for being here by the way my pleasure um if you could give the world one piece of advice to live a better and more meaningful life, what would it be? Bit trad. Love thy neighbour. Very nice. All right, I think it's a lovely way to end. Thank you so much, Andrew, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Bye, everyone. That just about wraps up my interview with Andrew today. But before I go, I just wanted to summarise some of the key takeaways from this episode. Andrew has put in the years... If nothing else, it's very clear to see how passionate he is and you can see why that's taken him to where he is today. Andrew is also a champion for quality 
Create amazing things and people will respect and support what it is you create. Finally, for someone who is in such a great position, he remains humble and is nice to people, which goes a long way to build a support network of great people. That's all for me today. I hope you enjoyed the episode and got as much out of it as I did. Until next time, bye for now. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe and share. I'd also like to invite you to an ongoing project called the Move Me mailing list. It contains links to all the great content I've uncovered each month, along with insights of any interesting opportunities I've discovered. You can subscribe to this by visiting my website at rickyrichards.com. A special thanks to Frankie Byrne and James Utting. They're the tech heads that make this show possible. The intro music was composed by Dom Stores Fox. And thanks again to Reese Chapman for introing me to Lou and Lizette, the wonderful folks at Factory Studios in London, where this show is recorded. Finally, wherever you are in the world, I hope you have a great day and keep creating. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.